Megan Bob, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling. And I'm Miles, and I'm here to help. With the aid of my favorite wrestling show, this is The Next Wrestling Fan, an NXT review podcast for would-be wrestling fans who don't know where to start. And current wrestling fans who want to relive the magic of that first time. This week, we take a bite out of the 200th episode of NXT, which originally aired on December 18th, 2013. In this episode, Tyler Breeze is a lumberjack, <laughs> and as far as Bob is concerned, he's okay. Yeah, fair. I mean, he's no Jeff Stormer, that's for sure. But, you know, who is? Who is? Welcome to episode 31 of The Next Wrestling Fan, a podcast of fights and feels. Last episode, in addition to being just kind of generally blah, uh, we also said goodbye to Cassius Ono, so that one that one hurt. <laughs> I'm still sad about it. Yeah, I know. And here at The Next Wrestling Fan, Bob, we wanted to make it up to you with something really good for this one. Okay. So with that in mind, it gives me great pleasure to welcome Jeff Stormer to The Next Wrestling Fan. What's up, Jeff? Yeah! I, I don't know that I honestly genuinely don't know if I measure up to Cassius Ono, but I appreciate <laughs> the effort nonetheless. We do what we can. Oh, man. Jeff is a huge <laughs> wrestling fan, does a ton of podcasts, does all kinds of stuff. Usually we have some questions to ask you as we kick off our shows with guests. And the first one is just tell us a little bit about your relationship with pro wrestling and specifically with NXT if you have one. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, so my relationship with pro wrestling Started in on Christmas Eve 2012. Oh, wow. Um, I like was not into wrestling as a kid. I had no relationship with it beyond maybe a two week period where my brothers tried to get me into like the <laughs> Super Nintendo WWF sure. games. Um, but uh, my wife was a huge wrestling fan when she was a teenager. Uh, she kind of fell out of it in college. And then Christmas Eve 2012, our car broke down oh, in man. front of my parents house. Uh, and my mom happens to love the show NCIS, so she had it on the TV. And as we all know, Monday nights, uh, when NCIS ends at 7 p.m., <laughs> Monday Night Raw kicks up. So, Christmas Eve, 8 p.m., we're stuck in front of my parents' house. Jen is sitting on the couch. I am trying to get, like, my car situation sorted. And of all things to come on the TV... Uh, the one thing that would that would hook her back in, which is seeing Santa Claus, who is obviously Mick Foley, what? get hit by a car <laughs> driven by Alberto Del Rio. What? And then John Cena has to fight him in a miracle on 34th Street fight to save Christmas. What? Of all the things I thought you might be about to say in terms of like your first experience with wrestling, was not expecting Christmas Raw 2012. Yes. So, and obviously, like, I was not a fan of wrestling at the time, but I believe that my love of Christmas yes. is well, is well established. Absolutely. So, that hooked me. That was it. And then probably the second thing I ever saw of wrestling was a an episode of Main Event because we didn't have cable, but we had Main Event because it was on whatever <laughs> channel Main Event aired on when it aired on TV. And it happened to involve Antonio Cesaro hitting the neutralizer on the Great Khali. And I was like, that's so strong. I was like, I'm so strong. <laughs> so then I fell deeply into wrestling from there. Uh, and then my first wrestling show was Chikara's <gasps> Anniversario Never Compromise, which got what? shut, which ended with the company getting shut down, wow. which is a great first live wrestling event yeah. to go to. Yeah. 
and uh, really that was it. Now I'm 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 too deep now. <laughs> I can't. I can never fully free myself from the prison that I find myself in. <sighs> That's what a cool first live show. That's amazing. I know, right? It was great. So uh, my relationship with NXT is like I had friends who were like raving about it when it was on Hulu. Yeah, because that was right after, you know, this is 2013 that we're watching right now. Yeah. Yeah. And then like the episode that we happened to put on as our first when we were like, let's just see it. We have who like we have Hulu. It's free. It's got commercials. The first episode we put on was Antonio Cesaro. It's a running theme that sure. he's everywhere that I love in wrestling. Issuing an open challenge and Sami Zayn making his debut. Oh, wow. Um, what? Yeah. That's and so we were, insane. And so, like, that's the first episode that we watched just happened to be that. And uh, being huge indie wrestling fans, obviously, we were big fans of uh, the the person that trained Sami Zayn, El Generico, right. on the indies. Right. Yeah. Um, the stars had aligned and it was perfect. And then from there, it was just like, well, this is when we watch now. Wow, y'all the same first episode of NXT. That's so yep. wild. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good first episode. Yes. I mean, you miss you miss some things. You miss Biggie's run with the title, but like it's I think it's a good starting place for what I call the golden age of NXT. Miles, I, I see now like independent confirmation that you made an excellent choice for our first episode of the show. It really is the start of, like I said, the golden age of NXT is that episode to not fully the main event of NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. To one match below the main event of TakeOver Brooklyn is the Golden Age. Oh boy. I've got, I think now I've got questions about the future. Mm. The main event of Brooklyn starts the, the <laughs> Silver Age. Like the main <laughs> event of Brooklyn. I have an entire eras of NXT theory myself that's a slightly different, but I do like that as an inflection point. Who is your favorite wrestler or the first wrestler who you're like, this is my person, I'm into them. Here's the thing. Uh, I mentioned we didn't have cable, so we couldn't watch Raw or SmackDown. Mm. We just didn't have them. So when I got into wrestling, the two shows from WWE I was watching every week were Main Event and Saturday Morning Slam. <laughs> I don't even know what those so, are. I'm so... Main Event is a show that is taped before, I believe, SmackDown, and it's literally just their dark matches oh. that they like. Yeah. It's the most filler show that has ever existed. Saturday Morning Slam is a rare and perfect treasure that I will defend until the grave. Because <laughs> okay. it's like a 13-episode series. It only runs like one season. Oh, wow. And it was a children's show that aired on Saturday what? mornings of WWE wrestlers. Yeah. So it was a mixture of like dark matches, comedy skits they would occasionally do like educational videos like sesame but street it, but wrestling kind of yeah, yeah and a prominent character in it is and i quote the dazzler daniel bryan like, <laughs> daniel bryan hooked me into wrestling because like he's here calling himself the dazzler fighting william regal who is dressed as a ninja what at one point there is a r-truth <laughs> versus cesaro match in which daniel bryan spends the entire match screaming about fighting bears what? and he's like if you can't you if, you, if it doesn't work on a bear you don't do it in the ring and then <laughs> the match ends when cesaro locks a bear hug on r-truth and he just loses it because it's oh it's a bear hug it's a bear hug imagine doing this to a bear <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it's right during team hell no so it's just <laughs> like it's the two of them bickering and there's a segment where they're competing for the role of commissioner of saturday morning slam and daniel bryan has laid out his whole plan and then they kane what would you do if you uh ran saturday morning slam which i remind you again is a children's tv show <laughs> and he goes well the first thing i would do is change the colors to red and black and the second thing i would do is 
Uh, we would institute the first ever Saturday morning slam Inferno match. <laughs> Thank you, Kane. Oh, oh you, Kane, my for- lord. God. See, this so is why Daniel Bryan is is my guy. Oh, this is why it's so important to have like guests on the show because I I only have my perspective and I've never heard of this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you gotta. There's a segment where Daniel Bryan uh, is fighting Tyson Kidd and he busts out like a classic British wrestling move, <gasps> which is uh, he rolls himself into a ball. Yes. Because you can't pin him. <sighs> can't pin him if he's a ball. <laughs> <sighs> it's great. And this is right. This would have been like February, March of 2013, which like if you know your timeline, April 2013 is when Daniel Bryan explodes. Yes. Like the April 2013 is when, you know, Team Hell No and The Undertaker fight The Shield, which is when The Shield Daniel Bryan feud start. Like that is so it it was right at this moment of like this weird comedy that he was doing moments before he became the main character. And wow. it's an amazing moment to like have him be the guy that got me into it. That's we got to watch some of that for a bonus thing. All Miles, right. that's All right, we'll do it. I need to see William Regal dressed as a ninja and Daniel Bryan screaming about bears. We'll either do oh, it for a watch party or we'll do it for a bonus episode. Oh god, I need it. That's so good. Oh. But as far as as far as my favorite, it's probably a fitty in the Cobra. I'm a, oh. I, I, I mean, I'm a soccer, you know, the soccer for the most illegal move in wrestling. I've seen him do some ridiculous dives. He was at his match at Never Compromise is one of my favorite matches ever. It's great. Oh. He's probably my favorite. I do love getting to see a fitty in. And right now oh, we're sort of in the um the he just turned heel face in terms of where I'm watching in Chikara. And the audience has mixed feelings about that. But, oh, man, he's so good, though. He's, he's so, so good. good. He's so good. I love him to death. Aww. So Jeff's going to be joining us for Bob's Breakdown. I'm sure we will be uh, have way more wrestling tangents, uh, other routes to go down, as well as the sight sounds and feels of pro wrestling and the cheap pop quiz. And, yes, he will also be helping us ring the bell on some <gasps> of our newest friends here in NXT. Okay. But before any of that, it's time to get the answers from last episode's Cheap Pop Quiz. All right. I think I got maybe one, so. I'm going to see how many I get live on air. Okay. Here we go. Question number one. Next episode, you will meet one of my very favorite tag teams of all time because I'm a total mark for a certain era of Ring of Honor. In that company, they were called the American Wolves. What are they called in NXT? That's, that's the American Pitbulls, baby. Oh, yeah. I, I, what did I guess, Miles? Well, it was A, the American Alphas. B, the American Pitbulls. C, the American Lions. D, the American Dragons. Or E, the American Eagles. All of those are better than the right answer <laughs> is the thing. I want that noted. Yeah. They're all oh. better than the actual American answer. Eagles would have been like, why didn't I guess that? It still would have been wrong, but it's such a clever name, Miles. You're so good. I'm pretty sure it's the Christian school and saved. Uh, oh, you what? did go with uh, a the American Alphas, Bob, which made me a little bit proud because there is a team called American there Alpha is. and you will meet them. <gasps> uh but the correct answer was B, the American Pitbulls. I didn't pick that because it sounded insane. And I'm glad that I was right. <laughs> Question number two. Also next episode, you will be introduced to the concept of a lumberjack match. What, pray tell, is a lumberjack match? I checked with Bob before uh, writing this question to make sure she didn't know. Hmm. Is it A, a match in which the ring is surrounded by other members of the roster referred to as lumberjacks? If the wrestlers leave the ring, the lumberjacks are allowed to attack them and or throw them back into the ring. B, a match where the goal is not to pin or submit your opponent, but rather to touch all four ring posts in a certain order before your opponent can, a process known as clearing the trees. 
C, also known as an axe handle on a pole match, the only rules change is that it is legal to strike your opponent with a, quote, solid oak axe handle. The axe handle begins the match hanging from a pole above one of the ring posts and must be retrieved during the match in order to be used. D, a match in which all participants must be dressed as lumberjacks. Or E, a match in which all participants must come to the ring singing the Monty Python song, I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. Okay, so those first two. Or the ones with the oak handle and the clearing the trees thing. Are those yeah. anything? Or are you never going to tell me if those are anything? Because they might the, be a thing later. Uh, those are things that I sort of modified to have a lumberjack theme. The four ring post thing is, I believe, called a four corners match. What? It's also usually a strap match. Oh, yeah, usually it's a strap has that match stipulation. Too. Yeah, that's right. What? Which has the added stipulation that both opponents are tied together by like a 10 foot leather strap. <sighs> yes. Which I you did. can use to like whip your opponent and. <sighs> Oh my god. Sometimes wrestling is like, have we crossed the line into just like obscure kinds of BDSM or are we just on the line of it? The great thing about wrestling is that it jumped the shark in like the 40s and now we all just get to enjoy it. Um, <laughs> and the on a pole thing, the axe handle on a pole thing, there's a long story tradition of various things being on a pole match. Uh, mm. And I just went with the axe handle because it seemed lumberjacky. You yeah. went with A, uh, Bob, yes. which was correct. That is correct. Yay! So well done, as you saw in the episode we're covering. And question number three. That Lumberjack match is also an NXT championship match between Adrian Neville and Bo Dallas. Who wins and why? Is it A, Neville wins cleanly and is your new NXT champion that the Lumberjacks are basically not involved? B, Neville wins after the Lumberjacks gang up on Bo and allow him to hit a big high-flying move on the outside? C. Bo wins after a random jobber lumberjack distracts the referee for no apparent reason, allowing Bo to hit Neville with a low blow. D. Bo wins after a random jobber lumberjack distracts the referee for no apparent reason, and then Tyler Breeze interferes behind the ref's back. Or E. Bo wins cleanly and is still your NXT champion. The lumberjacks are basically not involved. Bob, you went with C. Random jobber lumberjack distracting the ref. Bo hits a low blow. You were so close! I was yeah, so you close. Missed, you missed that key detail. You it missed was, that key detail. It was that, I but with the Tyler Breeze one. I should have two details. Yeah, as we'll see in this episode, the random jobber distracted the referee, and then Tyler Breeze interfered. So the answer was D. That's one point for you, Bob, here in the, yes. uh, the fourth round. So, you know, moving right along. Yeah. I think with that, it's time to get into Bob's breakdown. Cold open, the NXT universe screaming for Triple H. Guys, he's wearing a suit that fits. I want to draw everyone's attention to this because <laughs> as far as I can tell, it is tradition in wrestling to wear a suit that looks like there was very little measuring involved before it was made. Like, it's suit-shaped, the generally the best that can be said of them. Also wearing a stripy tie that looks like he nicked it from a Hufflepuff student. And he also, he's called the king or the game or both. What are these about? The game is one of his nicknames. Uh, the king of kings is a thing that he had started calling himself around this time when he started doing the authority thing. Oh. The, uh, the theme music that you're hearing here is actually not his usual theme music. It's this kind of weird other theme music that he started coming out to again around this time when he started doing the authority thing. Oh, okay. So yeah, he's, he's calling himself the king of kings. He's basically using his... His own inflated sense of self-worth and um, skewed look at wrestling history to <laughs> justify uh, being in charge of everybody. So that's kind of okay. his deal. But in this promo, well, of course, he's 
you know, he's a pure good guy. Yeah, because <laughs> he's, he's, he's your proud papa. Yeah, and he's, here yeah. To, he's here to give you the good wrestles. He is. There's something warm about him, although I fear to trust it. But there's something warm there. And I do want to say for anybody who hasn't seen a picture of him, first of all, you should go look at a picture of him because he looks like if you took every stern looking male actor from Game of Thrones, <laughs> put them in a blender. Baked it at 350 for 15 minutes, you would have Triple H. That's fair. That's fair. I would then also specify that the recipe calls for about 20 minutes. Oh, (laughs) yeah, you're right. I mean, it's a little bit more tanner than I was representing. Correct. I love a good Triple H NXT Proud Papa promo. It is really cute. It's the first real one that we've seen, actually, because the last time he was... He, he was came here, out to he was be a char- dick. Yeah, he was in character, and he was he was talking about uh, all the st- stuff happening on Raw, and he made JBL the general manager because he had a problem with the Rhodes family and all this stuff. This is the version of Triple H that we're going to see much more frequently Aww, going forward yes. because it's it's the version where it's like, okay, everyone knows that he's the guy, he's the NXT guy, he's the one who brings you this product every week. You know, it's his baby, so he is kind of allowed to be that person in NXT, and then he can go back to Raw the next day and be a heel and get booed. But in NXT, he is fucking, you know, he's the guy you bow down to. Yeah. He's proud papa. Yeah. Because he came out, you know, just to big up the crowd for the 200th episode, and he reminds everybody of the great legacy of wrestlers coming out of NXT, and he makes the crowd stand up and is like, look at the people standing next to you. You guys are what makes this great. You're like, ah, feels. I'm a person watching this. Thank you, Triple H. It's just really nice. There's a slight distinction here that I've looked into. There's technically kind of two NXT 200s. Mm. Because like the number that they're counting from here isn't the number that they count from in other circumstances. Oh. Like the 200 here counts three seasons of game show NXT, a season of NXT redemption. And then like a handful of episodes of like weird NXT game show wrestling hybrid before a lot of records count. This as NXT episode 79 because like there's a lot of game show. I believe the distinction is it is like the 79th episode of NXT, the TV show. Yes. But it is like the wrestling show. Yeah. yeah. But it is the the 200th episode of NXT, like as a thing, as a concept. Yeah. The network used to, before they did their like revamp thing, they used to label them as such. Like the first episode we covered was episode 170. And so at the beginning of the show, we had started like when we first started recording, we were like, all right, this is we got to tell everybody it's episode 170 in case they go to the network and they want to know which one we're doing. And then they changed the fucking network and yeah. it doesn't say that anymore. So we, we don't do it anymore. And then that sweet theme song starts and I try to savor it because I know it's going to be torn for me one of these days. We get match number one and it's Sami Zayn. And God damn, oh. is he always this good looking? Like sometimes... I get numb to how beautiful he is, and then it just hits me in the face. And I'm like, ah, Sami Zayn, he's so beautiful. Excuse me while I skank. I'm just going to skank over this whole segment. Yeah. Beautiful man inside and out. And he's teaming with Tyson Kidd. So just two handsome young Canadians. Kruger and Cesaro come out as Zayn and Kidd's opponents. Team sensible haircut and kind of sensual haircut. (laughs) Uh, It's up to you guys to decide which is which. But I mean, I I have my picks. But, you know, everybody decide for yourself. And then Kruger starts out against Kidd. For knee injury revenge plot reasons, I'm pretty sure. But Kid swings his leg over Kruger's neck and then pinwheels backwards, confusing Kruger. I wasn't totally clear what that cool move was, other than like an amuse-bouche before the arm drag that follows it. He just did a cool thing. Just know that Tyson Kid, pretty cool, guys. Yeah. 
And then Kid hauls Kruger over to the good, good boy's corner to tag in Zane. But Kruger darts away and tags in Cesaro. And then Cesaro and Zane lock eyes. And the tension is thick and kind of hot. And the crowd is chanting, match of year. Cesaro just holds up this one ominous hand. And the camera's like real tight on his face, offering to lock up. And it's pretty sexy. And then they start sort of playing hand spiders at each other. Like just doing that little hand jiggle at one another, trying to decide whether they're going to lock up or not. Little wiggly fingers. It's great. It's a really wonderful moment. I love it. I love that NXT is starting to build some of its own internal history. Mm-hmm. So like the story in that moment is both Zane and Kid have beef with Kruger and Kruger starts off with Kid. And obviously Zane is kind of his big feud right now. Kid's not mm-hmm. quite on that level. So Kid tags in Sammy. Sammy's all mad at Kruger. He comes in. Kruger immediately does the heel thing and tags out. Who's he tagging out to? He's tagging out to Cesaro. And all of a sudden, you can hear the crowd realize that Sammy Zane and Cesaro are in the ring together for the first time yeah. since that two out of three falls match. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's just really fun to that they play up to it a little bit and yes. they acknowledge it. And they they're like telling the crowd that they understand that like they pay attention and they know that this is an important thing. And the crowd responds by chanting match of year. And it's like on the 200th episode where they're talking about the match of the year. And it's just really perfect. Really the dynamic in that moment in this in really in this match as a whole is also really great telling of like the first chapter of the Sami Zayn story. Like it really brilliantly encapsulates it because like you hear it in the crowd reaction, the way that it's shot, the way that like everyone embodies their role that like Leo Kruger like is not on Sami Zayn's level. Like you get that idea. Like they yeah. convey it in the fact that like when Sami Zayn gets in the ring, like Leo Kruger bounces because Leo Kruger in the back of his mind knows that he's not going to yeah. hold the candle. Antonio Cesaro is like, well, you didn't beat me. You didn't beat me when it mattered. It's telling you like up front, like from the start, the story that we've already been told in the Cesaro thing, which is Sami Zayn is unbeatable until it comes time for that big moment and like putting him in the ring with like in the ring with Kruger. And it's like, yeah, Kruger doesn't matter. Cesaro. Now there's a match that matters. Now right. we wonder how Sami Zayn is going to fare because it's an opponent that is that matters to Sami. Leo Kruger does not. So Sami's going to obliterate him. Sami Zayn's character is so he's such like has like such a superhero arc to him. He's like, I can do mm-hmm. anything except for this thing. Oh, I love that about him. Yeah, so the one obstacle always is Cesaro specifically represents that. Okay, so then these spider hands, they get down to business because they lock up. And Cesaro grapples Zane and he bends him backward into a bridge. There's no video component to any of this, but I need I need everyone listening to know that I'm doing the spider hands. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Great. such a thing little kids do. And it was so weird to see them just like doing these little hand wiggles at each other. The moment is very serious and the camera work is very serious, but I'm also like, but you're guys, well, you're, you're doing hand spiders. They're trying to convey like, this is when the serious wrestling starts happening too, right? Like this is, yeah. not only do they have that moment, but the moment is immediately followed up by Sammy and Cesaro like trying to out technical each other. And at times it does mm-hmm. look silly because it's meant to look like two guys who are just like kind of reaching in and pulling back and trying to find the right moment. And nope, not yet. And, you know, so. Yes. And like devoid of context, it looks ridiculous. I mean, in the moment, it's absolutely works. But I I watch it from both like an in-context and out-of-context perspective. But seeing Cesaro bend Zane into that bridge and then Sammy Zayn managing to go on one foot and then another foot and not get his shoulders down is mm. he's made of core strength. That's all that is holding Sammy Zayn together is just nothing but core strength. He does get back up, but Cesaro is still a huge, strong guy. And so he's like, oh, well, I didn't get you down that way. That's fine. I'll just throw you into the corner like a discarded sock. 
you can do a thing. You're like, ah, I got away from you, Cesaro. And Cesaro's like, okay, Chuck. So Zane maneuvers Cesaro into the corner, though, and he's raining down these blows on him while the ref, and this is very interesting, the ref is going sort of, guys, guys, someone is going to get hurt. This is the most involved ref I've seen. So Zane tags in Kid, who comes flying at Cesaro, but Cesaro just catches him in midair, and he flings him down across his knee, (laughs) and then Kid is looking quite shattered, and then back from commercial, Kruger is in the ring with Kid, because, you know, Cesaro went in there and really softened him up. And uh, Kruger gives him that nasty spine buster. I'm sort of weirded out that Team Baddies is working over kids back and not focusing on the knee because I know the knee is healed. But typically, Mm -hmm. isn't it? You're like, oh, it's an injury. That's the glowing red spot that your enemy should be hitting. And so it's like, but he has a knee. Why are you even bothering with his back? That's the whole point of having us know about the knee injury, right? Maybe they're just trying to move on from that. I'm not sure. But it could be that they don't want to do the Tyson's knee is hurt story anymore. You know what I mean? Mm. I'm just speculating. Okay. I think this was a case of like, we need to explain why Tyson Kidd's been gone for 10 months, but also we can't touch his knee because uh, it is currently being held together by rubber bands. Okay. (laughs) That's a good reason. That is also very possible. So Zane is in the corner and, you know, his hot tag power is buffering up, which is great because Kid crawls over to make the tag. After knocking back both Cesaro and Kruger, Kruger grabs his leg, but Kid somersaults out of it, throwing Kruger at the ropes and making that spicy hot tag. So Zane bounds in and just drop kicks Kruger, back elbow to Cesaro, up to the top rope to fly at Kruger in that cross body that because it's Sami Zayn doing it, is both so terrifying and really sweet because it's like the most dangerous way to approach hugging. Like, (laughs) if I saw Sami Zayn flying at me like that, I'd be like, oh God, I'm going to die. But also, if this is the way I go, this is pretty great, guys. This is pretty great. (sighs) What a good boy. He's great. Zayn goes for the pin, but Cesaro breaks it up. And then Kid trips Cesaro to the outside, leaps after him, knocking Cesaro to the ground. And now it's Zayn's chance and he runs at Kruger with that boot to the snoot and he pins him. And Team Good Boys gets the win. So go Canada. And then we go backstage. Emma, why? That's the first. <laughs> the f- point, the oh first God, of this. Oh my God, this fucking promo. So Natalia is just trying to watch her husband potentially get beaten up in peace. Which I don't know why you would do that in an sort of open area like that. But she's there doing it. Watching TV in the WWE style of sort of standing (laughs) at like a 30 degree angle of the TV and then just turning. Often holding your chin. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So Emma just dances in. (laughs) She's dancing in the way that your younger sibling would sort of get up and get close to you but not really touch you but is like hey pay attention to me (laughs) natalia is sort of going okay what are you doing and emma's like you've changed now that you're famous you used to be fine when i'd come up and poke at you and natalia is going "Mm, okay sure and so (laughs) natalia calls dancing silly and you can see emma's blood pressure visibly raise like her eyes bug slightly so obviously they have to wrestle about this but more importantly Whoever wins this, you know, match to determine the legitimacy of dance as a sport, to determine the right of younger siblings to annoy older siblings, whatever the root psychological, you know, themes of this match. The point is that whoever wins it gets to wrestle against Paige for the championship. Natalia just lost a title match to Paige. Why is Natalia in contention for this again? Is it just to remind us, like... Hey, Emma's awesome. We're going to have her fight Natalia. 
to ask such a question, Bob, with that much <laughs> logic behind it is to miss the broader point, which is that this this backstage interaction is so terrible <laughs> between it's, it occurs between two people who are so awkward when you put a microphone in front of them. No, no, no. I I will not stand <laughs> for this besmirching Emma of the treasure that is Emma. Oh, no, absolutely a treasure. But like this is so awkward that it crosses the line and goes back into being amazing. There are things that I want to say about this promo and there are answers to some of, of your questions that like I can't answer because they will come up in two or three months from oh, now. Okay. And, like, that is part of why I love this era of NXT. All right. I'm going to try and remember this. And then, you know, on an episode, like many, many weeks from now, I'm going to go, oh, Jeff was right. The legend was true. Uh, one of the main reasons that, that she's getting another number one contenders match is because it's important that Natalia hangs around for a while. Yeah. Ooh, okay. That is my wizard moment. Okay. You'll, it will come clear to you in some time. But the important thing is that, like, Natalia is A, extremely famous. <laughs> she is on Total Divas. <laughs> and B, like, a contender level talent for a championship. Like, okay. those are kind of the things to keep in mind. Yeah. As that will play out in a few months. Okay. Natalia is awesome. Um, and then we get this little look back at NXT history. Mm-hmm. And I get to see young Daniel Bryant with little baby bangs. Yep. And Chris Jericho with short hair. And it's so... You know the first thing Daniel Bryan says on NXT TV? Oh, what is it? Yes. <laughs> That's so beautiful. Uh, yeah, it's just worked out that way. But the first thing that he ever... The first word he utters on, on WWE television is the word yes. No. So then match two and Sasha comes out in red and with enough sequence to stock a small craft store, which is I love wrestling outfits, guys. I'm here to say that. I have a question about this because okay. um, I, I, I know my rating on it and I'm trying to figure out this is a period of Sasha Banks where each subsequent appearance she's she's getting more yes. and more boss like. Yes. Mm. So I'm I'm tempted to say this is probably about boss level eight out of ten, I think is where we're at. It might be seven. We're somewhere between boss level eight, seven, and eight out of ten. She's got like a lot of the boss accoutrement, but like not all of the boss pieces are there yet. Uh, but like you're, it's, it's gearing up. They're building up steam. She will eventually hit eleven during a specific entrance. She will. But oh, uh, what? She will. But yeah. Oh man. Well, I know it when I see she, it. Well, I'd yes. be like, this is unmistakably oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she's here to fight Paige, and when Paige enters, she does. And she's already been turned evil by the Oculus Mirror. Oh yes, ah! And then Paige enters, and she does exactly one high five of somebody in the crowd, and then she looks around like she's worried somebody caught her doing that one high five. <laughs> yeah, her like death stare is really good. Oh, I loved it. And then it takes about two seconds after the bell for there to be a slap fight, but the slap fight is very short. And then we get to do actual wrestling and Sasha bends Paige's neck back over the ropes. And now Paige is kind of on the back foot and Sasha leaps into a piggyback on Paige, getting her into some kind of fun hold. I don't know what it was, but it just it looked really great. I just like seeing Sasha going, no, I will love you until you until you (laughs) submit. It's like a rear choke of some kind, I think. So Paige kind of melts to the mat and they roll around slowly for a bit as Paige tries to find a way out of the grip of Sasha's death spooning. And then Paige manages to get back to her feet with Sasha still on her back. And if you've ever tried to go from sitting to standing, even just holding a pet, like that's an ordeal. 
you know, you're just like, I'm just holding a dog or a cat. This isn't even that hard, but it's so hard. And then to see her do it without a whole human on her. But no, Paige is a very, very strong, tiny little werewolf. (laughs) And she scraped Sasha off on one of the turnbuckles. And seeing her scrape Sasha off on the turnbuckle was like, I don't know, vivid memories of horseback riding and the way that any horse, if you're on their back, they're like, this is fine and I'm used to it, but also it would be really great if there wasn't anybody on me and I was free to do whatever the fuck I wanted. So like, where's the nearby tree or fence or wall or just anything that I can go up next to and kind of like scrape? Uh, This is why ponies are assholes and don't ever get one for your children. Sasha is, uh, she's not done. She takes Paige's hand and she dances up to the top rope like she's going to do some super cool move. But Paige just fucking yanks her, sending Sasha crashing down to the mat. It's great. It's great. I loved it so much. (laughs) I know. It was so practical as a move because it's one of those things you see people hold their partner's hand to let them, you know, do that thing along the ropes. And, you know, the question from a practical standpoint is always, why would you let your partner do that? Just yank. And I love the Paige is like, fuck that, yank. And it was so scary at the same time because I was imagining as a performer, you can't kind of get good at falling on your face in a lot of ways. There's not like a muscle you can work out to go, oh, this is my face falling muscle. I feel like Sasha Banks has mastered that skill, which is perhaps the scariest thing about (laughs) Sasha Banks. Oh, man. Is that a power Sasha Banks has that she can just take a serious fall? Yes. Yeah. Oh my it's, god. It's, uh, yeah. Like, there's no other way to put it. Like, Sasha Banks develops that skill real early. Yeah. And, <laughs> and proceeds to go. How scary can I make this look? Oh my How god. How much can I make you go? Oh no. Oh no. And you're like Sasha's dead. And then As you're like, someone oh, she's not for dead. whom Sasha Banks is their favorite wrestler, it's terrifying, and I hate it. Um, oh, it's every match. Every match, I'm like, stop. Why? It's great. Oh my god. So. Paige follows it up with some clotheslines and a drop kick, and she's going to use the ropes to whip herself at Sasha, but Summer Ray grabs her leg, and Paige goes to a knee because, mm-hmm. you know, now she's kind of been hobbled a little bit. And then Sasha's going to go, ah, I can run at Paige now. This is, this is perfect. And the Paige darts out of the way, leaving Summer Ray to get a baseball slide right in the face. It was so satisfying. <laughs> It's real satisfying. Not uh, actually a baseball slide. I want to point that out. Oh, was it not? Okay, no, what was it? No, the announcer called it a baseball slide, but it was really just a kick through the ropes. A baseball slide involves, I, like, sliding through the ropes with both uh, Why did I ever trust Alex Riley to get any goddamn thing right? What was I thinking? He's the he's the blurst. <laughs> he is the blurst. Uh, I mean, he's allowed to talk, but not to be treated with any sort of relevance. So, Sasha is upset. That she did this and is distracted, which gives Paige the opening she needs to kick her on the stomach and do the page turner and pin her for the win. And I, that's great. I'm so excited for Paige. More importantly, I am pre-excited, pre-cited for the fact that Summer Rae and Sasha have to fight about this now. Because is that not the wrestling law? Like, they have to have a fight mm. about this. Are they allowed to not have a fight about it? They are allowed, yes. It is. No, it is, but it I is don't optional. want them not to. <sighs> no fight. Also, I, I don't actually think that was Alex Riley. I think it was Byron Saxton. Uh, yep, yep, it is Byron. It is Byron Saxton. Alex Riley is not here. That's how bad of oh. a job Byron Saxton did on this episode. <laughs> we thought it was Alex Riley. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Byron Saxton, get the fuck on your shit. I thought you were <laughs> Alex Riley. Uh, doing an Alex Riley level job. Yeah. Oh, that's that's what they write in the performance reviews at WWE. <laughs> They're like it's below an F. <laughs> there was some real A-Ry quality work and they're like oh no I'm gonna oh, lose my no. job why would you say that even as a joke 
<laughs> so then we go backstage, and I was not expecting this, but it's Enzo, who's in a wheelchair with a broken leg, and he's ranting at Cass about the importance of accessibility for disabled people. Fuck yes, Enzo. Fuck yes. Accessibility matters. So the conversation is derailed because off-screen singing is in English. So they come over to heckle him because that's what they do. And I, I don't think anybody's going to be surprised that Aiden English doesn't take lightly to being heckled. Um, and so Enzo says, Cass is a better singer. English is like, no, no one is better than moi. And he suggests that they have a singing competition. Guys, between the Broadway obsession, saying moi all the time and pronouncing things in faux French, I think English's gimmick might just be Miss Piggy. <laughs> like... <laughs> That's very valid. You know I, what? Now that you say it, that's very valid. What a brave man Aiden English is to go, Miss Piggy is the wrestling superstar we've always needed. And only I am brave enough to realize that. I remember watching this at the time. And if I remember correctly, this is also, you know, peak Aiden English. Like this is also the Aiden English golden oh, age yeah. when he is no longer just sort of riffing on like making up his own sort of mediocre songs and he's very specifically doing show tunes parodies <laughs> i love it yep. which a advances the miss piggy theory and b i just want to take a moment and appreciate the time that he did uh a cover of santa fe from the from newsies but he made it about nxt <laughs> oh my god aiden english is great he's treasure this he is, the best is. Ever. <laughs> and next episode i get to see him do a singing competition in front of the nxt universe against cass Guys, I love wrestling so much. Like, it's not going to be, really be next episode, Bob, just so you know. Oh, I know not? you said that, but it's okay. going to be the episode after. All right. I'll take it. I'll take it. And then we get another NXT flashback. And I'm not going to talk about any of it except for the fact that for two seconds, I saw Connor O'Brien in a leather jacket and every single part of my <laughs> obsession with supernatural romances hit me like a fucking bullet train. I was like, <laughs> Yes. Tell me all about your coven or whatever, you broody shithead. Like, I care about your pain. And then it was like, oh, no, Megan, don't go back down that path. It's such a bad <laughs> idea. But like Connor O'Brien with that guy liner on in a leather jacket, like he's everything Corey Graves wishes he could be. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. I know. That's, that's, no, that's fair. Yeah. That's, I'm, that's no, I'm not fair. saying it's wrong. Just still painful. I know, but it's like two not not super cool dudes who are like, but one of them is undeniably the cooler of the two, nonetheless. It's like, this is not a winning proposition either Here's way. Here's the thing about Conor O'Brien. Conor O'Brien is sort of like a powder keg of cool in that like <laughs> he was very uh, inert and uncool on his base level, but he just needed that little bit of spark. Yeah. That little bit of magic, that little bit of something special to make him cool. And not to jump to our next match, but I'm here to say... Connor O'Brien found that spark. He found that spark in a little man named Rick Victor. That's right. And they welcomed us all to the wasteland. That's they right. They welcomed us to the wasteland. Yeah. Uh, it's nice to be here. It is. The, 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 the Ascension Appreciator has logged on. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm here to say, if you're here with me, give me a yah. Yeah. 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 Is that how they say it? They go, yeah. Oh, we'll, get, we'll get there. We'll get, oh, to the, okay. we'll get to yah. You'll get to Oh, man. <laughs> Wait for yah. <laughs> okay, so obviously, speaking of Connor O'Brien, we get match number three. And so it's the Ascension versus the American Pitbulls. Or, I mean, if we're going to talk about them as the dogs, which is, you know, they're great dogs. Pibbles, because that's just so much more fun to say. Pibbles? <laughs> Pibbles. That's, the American Pitbulls are very funny. They are. And they're it's, very funny. 
Cahal. No, sorry. Cahal is my brother-in-law's name. And whenever I see it spelled out like that, I'm like, that's not how you spell it. But also, that's not how you say it. But it's Cahill. Cahill. And yeah. Billington. Derek Billington. Derek Billington. That is a hell of a name. And uh, I just want to say, if, you, if you're wondering kind of what they look like, I couldn't get a real read on what they look like. It's just, the only thing was their shimmery red tights. And I was like, okay, that's how I can tell them apart. Also, they're not huge and menacing. Neither of them have like wolf claw tattoos yet. <laughs> so like they're indistinguishable. Eventually, Eddie Edwards will have a wolf tattoo. They just look like the guys that like, you know, they're they're white and they do MMA and like that's what they <gasps> yeah, look that like and that's who they, who are. they are. Well, in a lot of ways, that's them in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> OK, so Victor starts in the ring with Billington and Billington manages to flip Victor to his back for a pin attempt. So already I'm going, ah, this is not going to be a squash match, I don't think. Well, hell, they got an and entrance. So, yeah, they did get an entrance. But you've told me sometimes they get an entrance and it's still kind of like a nothing match because, you sure. know, it'll just be like, oh, it's over. Which, I mean, doesn't make it a squash match, but does make it like, I don't know, one of those two two minute matches where you're sort of like, I guess I just, you know, got to remember that that person yeah. is on the roster. So that's good. Right. You know, in case because they did talk about on commentary at one point, they're like, oh, this is amazing because, you know, the Ascension have obliterated the NXT tag team division. I'm like, no, motherfucker, NXT obliterated the NXT tag team. Yeah, like, no, look in the mirror, own what you've done. And they're like, nah, there's the Ascension. They just keep killing people behind our back. And I'm like, ah, no. Okay, so Billington tags in Cahill, who immediately gets dragged over into vampire territory, where O'Brien is tagged in. And I, that's usually the end of these things, since O'Brien is about the size of a modest SUV. But Cahill tags in Billington, and they're both in the ring, so they jointly suplex O'Brien. So that alone was very impressive to me, because normally you don't get to see anybody pull any kind of real move on O'Brien, because he's a big man. And then throughout the match, the commentary team is saying, O'Brien and Victor aren't close, but they know how to work together. And I'm like, fuck you. Just because <laughs> you don't see their tender embrace under the moonlight in the graveyard over a shared bag of O negative on screen doesn't mean that they aren't close. Because in the fucking promos, they said they live together. <sighs> okay, rant yeah. over. I'm just really mad. So Victor does not like that they've wanted his vampire lover. And when he comes at them, he goes up and over the top to the outside because, you know, the pibbles, they're pretty good. And O'Brien does a flapjack on Billington. He's having kind of a rough time now. Oh, oh, God. Now I remember this moment. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, this is a nightmare. OK, so Billington's life is about to get way the fuck worse because Rick Victor picks him up for, I think, oh, it's a suplex. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That moment. He picks him up for to do a move and then basically drops Billington over his shoulder directly onto his head. And yes, yes Billington. That is correct. He breaks his fall with his hands a little bit, but you still see him come down and you see Rick Victor turn mm. around and you can kind of see his eyes and face do that like, oh, shit. It was horrifying. Uh, there's a quick pin attempt. And Billington gets out and Victor repeats the move. And this time Billington lands it. So we don't all have to experience that fear and trauma all over again. It kills me that they did it again. It's like, come on, just don't, <laughs> don't do it. No, no, we got it. We'll get it. <laughs> it was so scary. I, I watched it multiple times and freaked out every single time. But Billington well, there's, survives. There's, He's not dead. There's a reason that they do it again. Oh. And it's important. Oh. It, it, all of this will be explained. Okay. All of this is explained. Thank God. Stay tuned. 
So Billington struggles over to tag in Cahill, who bowls over Victor and then follows it up with a knee to the face like, that's for my friend's neck. He was definitely using that. <laughs> and O'Brien enters the fray, but ends up going over the top rope to the outside, followed by Victor. And then the pit bulls fly out after them. And so, you know, maybe, maybe the pit bulls are going to win. But then once they're back in the ring, Victor does a drop kick on Billington, tags in O'Brien. They do with the fall of man. And that is the end for these uh, doggo boys, at least for now. And then Hunico and Camacho come to the ramp to just lurk. Yeah. Oh, much love for Hunico and Camacho. I know. Hunico's a lot of love for Hunico dope. and Camacho. <laughs> like, I just like watching Hunico wrestle at all. He's he's really cool. Hunico's great. I mean, Camacho, there's a lot to talk about around Camacho. <laughs> a lot of it is very unfortunate because um, I there's a lot, a lot with Camacho. Yeah, we've talked about some of it, I think. Oh, boy. And the, so they're just there to sort of let the Ascension know, hey, this isn't over. And so the Ascension just does the fall of man again to Billington to go like, <laughs> I mean, it's you great. can say it's not over, but, you know, this is what happens whenever people say things aren't over to us. And so that's that. And then we go backstage again. And it's Kofi Kingston. I just love him. I just love seeing his face. I just want to hear what he has oh, to say. Him. And then Lana comes out and interrupts speaking Russian. And it was so sweet because Kofi's like, I'm sorry. I don't understand what you're saying. Like, he's sorry he doesn't speak Russian because he's a peach. And then Lana switches to English. And the long and the short of it is that Rusev wants to fight Kofi Kingston. And Kofi's like, yeah, I don't back down from stuff. That's cool. I'll fight him. And Kofi's the best. And I can't wait to see it. Yay, Kofi You have now completed the New Day trifecta. You have met all three of them. Yay. I've collected all three. All right. Now it's main event time. Neville versus Dallas in a lumberjack match for the championship and all the boys have circled the wagons around the ring. So Tyler Breeze is there. That's really important because I mean, he's there and he really resents it. He is the teenager who had to come to this family event and is very upset about it. And Neville and Dallas lock up. They're feeling each other out. Bo throws Neville at the ropes. And because it's Adrian Neville, he turns it into that graceful forward handspring where his back just bounces against the ropes and he pops back up to his feet. Peak hobbity shenanigans. And then Neville goes, well, all right, Bo, have this dropkick. And so Bo doesn't like this. And he tries to get some air on the outside, but gets tossed back into the ring by, I what for all intents and purposes, if you stopped it and watched it, it would just look like, oh, this is a collection of sketch comedy characters that have gathered together for this particular scene. And so kind of just a weird grab bag of people. It's such a weird thing, because like usually Lumberjack matches are like more prominent members of the roster as lumberjacks. Not just randos. Here we've got, among others, I know we've got two cowboys. Yes. We have two Olympic athletes. Okay. <laughs> um, I, there's at least uh, like a couple just wrestler wrestlers. Baron Corbin is definitely there. Baron Corbin is there. I want to say Danny Birch might be there Aww. in his like British brawler coat. Yeah. Oh. It literally does look like stock, like they pulled stock characters. It does! So Neville rolls Dallas up for a pin, but that doesn't work. So they just kind of start throwing arms back and forth until Dallas throws Neville out of the ring and Breeze kind of begrudgingly agrees to do the thing that he came out here for. So he gets Neville <laughs> and he starts to throw him back in the ring. And then Neville stops him and Neville slaps Breeze in the face. And Breeze... Cr- ah, that's not good. I know! Breeze crumples to the ground in horror. And I'm here going, what the fuck? That is not how your hobbit mother raised you. <laughs> I, this feels wildly out of character. I'm very upset. What the hell? Guys, do you have any answers for me? It's a real bastard move. <gasps> <laughs> it is! It is! 
I mean, as far as I was concerned, I was like, this is a heel turn. This is what a heel <laughs> turn is. It's whenever you do a rude thing. The barbarian was inside him all along. Yeah, I mean, is this not the heel turn? It, he touched somebody's face in a rude way. So that's what I took it as. But then I went, maybe that's not what they're saying is the heel turn. Uh, no, this is not officially a heel turn, Bob. I'm afraid. I don't know if you noticed it when the uh, theater kid got bullied by the jocks backstage. But in <laughs> WWE, being a babyface means you're like one of the worst people walking the face of the earth. It's true. It is so weird. I don't understand how their conception of what a good person is is always like really interesting to me. Not there. Although his. Oh, mm, good point. Mm -hmm. Good point. So back from commercial, Dallas is throwing around Neville, but Neville catches him a good one with a kick to the face. And then just this flourish of kicks to the chest because Adrian Neville, rugby players wish they had thighs like Adrian Neville has. I don't Mm, know who has thighs like Adrian Neville. Adrian Neville. That's it. That's the list. So then Dallas catches him with a roll-up attempt that doesn't really work. So he turns it to a chin lock on, you know, trying to slow down our high-flying fave. And although Dallas is looking pretty canny in all of this, this is kind of the most wrestly I've seen Bo Dallas in a while. And Neville does get out of the chin lock. So Dallas gives him an elbow to the face a couple of times. And then this brutal clothesline that just spins Neville like a little pinwheel. (laughs) Neville does rally. And he kicks the shit out of Dallas's shins and then the gut and then the head and Dallas is down the mat and then standing moonsault from Neville. Dallas kicks out, goes to the outside. Well, I mean, now we get to do something a little extra because yeah. all 15 everybody dudes. Everybody hates Bo Dallas. I know. Everybody hates Bo Dallas. So just 15 dudes swarm <laughs> Bo Dallas like ants on like a fallen creature. And hold him in place as Adrian Neville goes to the top to perform the red arrow. And then it's just a manvalanche. They all fall <laughs> mm-hmm. down. And then we kind of look over and there's Tyler Breeze sitting there still clutching his face and looking at his phone like, that shithead. I can't believe he did that. I can't remember. Does he red arrow him? Does he? What does he do? I thought it was a red arrow. I don't know. Whenever he does a high flying thing from the top, I'm always like, well, it's the red arrow or dot, dot, dot. A cool thing only Adrian Neville can do. Yeah, I I, honestly it's weird because I can't remember what the exact move was, but it might have been the red red arrow. If it wasn't, it was a thing that looked cool and the red arrow looks cool. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he did a big high flying move. He did. He did a cool Adrian Neville thing. Yeah. So all these guys are still kind of strewn about the place. Uh, Neville grabs Dallas, gets him back to the ring to set up a second red arrow or perhaps the first red arrow to end the match. Some guy distracts the referee somehow. I don't know who this rando is. And you never will. Ah, what? Breeze lunges, <laughs> drags Dallas out of the way of this red arrow. Neville lands on the mat, writhing in pain. Now Dallas sneaks in and pins him for the win to retain the title. And I'm here going... This is bad writing. I don't understand your character motivations. Neville, why would you do this? I mean, the match was fine. I didn't have a problem with the match. But also, what the fuck? The, the thing with Neville slapping him, I think, is just like kind of face heel dynamics, I guess. Mm. Uh, I have no idea who the fucking dude was who like jumped on the, the ring apron. And I, and I, I don't believe it's ever mentioned again. Hmm. Which is weird, because, like, this whole thing has been JBL coming out being like, this. there's no controversies in the JBL era. It's like, yeah. oh, where are you now? So that's what I saw. That was my experience with this episode. I have a, a hugely important update, because I just pulled up the YouTube video. Because I had to remind myself, I was like, I'm definitely sure I know who that is. 
I don't think they ever bring it up again, but it might be because this person is no longer like is gone from the company shortly after this. Uh, it is a uh, future impact and NWA power star Eli Drake. Is it really? It is. It is Eli Drake wow. on the ropes. And like, he's got to be gone from NXT. Like, oh, real yeah, like, he I'm not sure he ever wrestled a televised match. I think that he just left the company not long after. That's that. amazing. Thank you for that breakdown, Bob. I appreciate it. And in general, I mean, I, you basically summed it up. But in general, what do you think about this one? I liked a lot of things about this. I thought there was lots of fun, weird things going on. It felt not just like I got to see a bunch of plot threads moving, but also like somebody went, hey, do you want this whole bucket of sprinkles thrown on top of everything? And just like <laughs> weirdness. And I'm going, yeah, please pour on these weird sprinkles. So, I mean, between like the little tidbits of the... NXT history, and then, you know, getting to see a little bit of Hunico Camacho come out, getting to see these American Pitbulls, getting to see um, Natalia not wanting to be poked. I mean, Summer Rae getting kicked in the face. Like, it was everything. Before we can move on with our show, uh, it is time to ring the bell. <gasps> and on this episode, we are ringing the bell for the American Pitbulls. Okay, I have been told that there is a deep, deep well associated with this. It really is. Derek Billington and John Cahill are much, much better known to wrestling fans as Davey Richards and Eddie Edwards, the American Wolves. During the late aughts, Richard and Edwards were one of the most popular tag teams in yes. independent wrestling. They wrestled in America and Japan. Yeah. Oh, wow. Anywhere, anywhere you could see wrestling, you'd see the American Wolves. Primarily known for their work in Ring of Honor uh, in America, they were two-time Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions and would go on to headline the promotion in the early 10s, as oh, each wow. of them would become Ring of Honor World Champion. Mm -hmm. Richards actually defeated Edwards for the title in what I would consider a legendary match in 2011. Edwards was also the very first Ring of Honor television champion, and as a result, its first ever Triple Crown champion. So mm. highly decorated stars uh, on the independent scene. Huge, huge names. Like okay. huge, huge in independent wrestling names. I was Enormous. like, oh, these are just some guys they, they wrestled up from like, I don't know, they were hanging out by the dumpster. And it's funny because in the previous episode, they talk about like they're, they're issuing an open challenge. Anybody yes. can answer it. Yes. And so the moment that these two guys come out, particularly for the full sale audience and the commentary team goes, wait, it's them. The crowd recognizes these two wrestlers, which is why That's they so get the response that they get. And you've got uh, Tensai, Jason Albert on commentary, who has wrestled them in Japan and like knows mm -hmm. them and, and can put them over. So these guys are basically part of the class of Ring of Honor wrestlers that went on to become major stars. They all came up the Ring of Honor at kind of the same time. Richards and Edwards were right at the forefront of that. By 2013, they had certainly accomplished about everything there was to accomplish on the indies. And this match against the Ascension was actually their WWE tryout. Oh, right. Uh, and their only match on WWE programming. What? So I remember this watching this match and I remember the dirt sheets. I remember the dirt sheets, the forums everywhere. Twitter everywhere was had. I don't know where this theory came from, but there was a certainty amongst the wrestling fandom that what was going to happen 
with Eric Billington and John Cahill, the American <laughs> Pitbulls, was they were going to be on NXT for two weeks. Okay. We we're going to see them this week and next week, and then they were going to immediately debut on SmackDown. And then SmackDown was going to start, like, being kind of the indie brand, where, mm-hmm. like, a lot of stars, a lot of, like, indie guys would skip NXT and go straight to SmackDown as sort of a, like, this is where our indie stars are famous for. Then they wrestled this one kind of bad match <laughs> for the Ascension and are gone forever. Oh, my God. There are two explanations, potentially, for why Richard and Edwards didn't sign an NXT contract that I've heard bandied about most often. The first is that they were seen as too small, and NXT believed it already had a lot of the smaller indie guys and didn't need two more. They needed something else. They, they, we already have guys like you. We, need, we don't need you again. Tensai even says on commentary twice during their match that big men will always beat small men. But honestly, this kind of feels like a stretch to me, considering that A... NXT would go on to become almost entirely populated by smaller indie guys. Yeah, I, uh, I honestly like don't buy that theory because of every wrestler that they sign after yeah. that. Kind <laughs> of forever. And B, as we've seen, they had no tag teams. None. <laughs> yeah. So it's not as though the Wolves would have been redundant. They, they didn't have a tag team division. The far more likely explanation is the one given by the Wolves themselves, that they decided not to sign. Richards talks about not wanting to commit to a WWE schedule, And there is literally no other wrestler on the planet for whom that is more likely to be true. He Mm -hmm. teased retirement for, I think, seven years straight at one point and was always more committed to medical school and his real life job as a paramedic than he was to wrestling. Uh, The Wolves did not go to WWE or NXT. They instead went to total nonstop action wrestling, a.k.a. TNA, a.k.a. Impact Wrestling, where they have spent thus far the remainder of their careers. They were five time TNA tag team champions. And Edwards also held the world title and also the X Division title, which makes him the only person in history to complete the Triple Crown in both TNA and Ring of Honor. Whoa. Richards did finally retire in 2017 to become a doctor. Uh, This was when uh, the the brief period when TNA had become, I think, Global Force Wrestling. Nah, Global Force Uh, Wrestling. (laughs) Yeah. So he announced retirement. He was going to focus on getting his uh, his PhD, becoming a Mm -hmm. doctor. I did see that he had like tried to tease a comeback a couple of times. Most notably, he sent something out on Twitter in 2019 that said like, hey, anybody that I've screwed over in the past, like if you booked me and I, I told you I was retiring or something and I didn't show up, hit me up in 2019. You can book me. Uh, I don't know if anybody responded to that. To my knowledge, he has not wrestled a match since his retirement in 2017. The other theory that I've heard was just that this match was was bad and that like, <laughs> and they do the best they can given that their opponents are the Ascension. And I say that as an Ascension stan. Yeah. Like, they get the best match out of the Ascension that they can. <laughs> but like, and the reason that I said I have a theory about why they redo that spot is like, I am certain that that spot, they wanted like him doing the cool flip out for a highlight reel. It's the yeah. only reason to do that move twice is so that you could do the video package of them making their entrance and include the shot of him doing the flip. Well, and he was dropped. Like, Victor yeah. dropped him. Victor, it was not Victor his drops fault. him on his head. Like, oh, it is yeah. not their fault. But the match is not good. I, but honestly, though, it's still like, it's the best Ascension match we've seen. 
Bitch, like, again, yes. I'm not, that's... I know, no, I, I love the Ascension. I love my vampire voice, but, like, they're not great, but I love them. It's, it's not good, but it's not bad. Like, they, they're, they're that one fuck-up, which wasn't their fault, and, like, the rest of it was fine. Like, it's yeah, what you're gonna get yeah. with an Ascension match. Uh, so, yeah, ringing the bell, unfortunately, for uh, Davey and Eddie, for Derek and John... The American Pitbulls. Uh, it was nice to see you guys. I got really excited when I saw that we were going to get to talk about you, and you made me pull out my old Ring of Honor DVDs. So, Aww. Godspeed. Over the podcast airwaves, I am issuing you a handshake because on the next Wrestling Fan Podcast, we follow the Code of Honor. That's right. Yeah. We absolutely follow the Code of Honor because we're baby faces. That's right. Yeah. It is now time for the sight, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. Bob, for this episode, what did your elf eyes see? Guys, I don't know if you saw this, but um, in that lumberjack match, there was one guy in a black sequins vest with a French flag on the back of it. I don't know who he is, but I want to know more. Oh, I do know who he is, and you're going (laughs) to know. You're going to know so much more. That man in that vest with the French flag is a young Frenchman named Marcus Louis. Oh, yeah. And um, I don't want to spoil anything. No, don't but, uh, spoil anything. I forgot he existed. Marcus Louis until just has now. my favorite ever NXT storyline that they just drop. But like the fact that they drop it implies that it continues to happen until this day. They have never refuted that the storyline that he ends his run on NXT with is still happening. Oh, boy. All right. I am a very early stand for this guy. What a bold costume choice as well. Respect. Miles, what did your elf eyes see? Honestly, it was more of what my elf eyes didn't see, because where the fuck is Charlotte? I'm legitimately wondering at this point, because, like, I understand she didn't come out with Summer and Sasha after joining their group. I understand why she didn't come out when they were wrestling a tag team match against Bailey and Natalia, because their whole thing is they're trying to fuck with Bailey's head, and they're doing it by not letting her see or talk to Charlotte. But mm. Bailey was nowhere near this match or this segment. I don't understand why Charlotte's not out there with them. That's a good point. Just open questions. I'm sure we'll find out, but I legitimately don't know. Like, I'm, I'm revisiting this going, like, was she just not did she get sick? Like, was she not there? Like, what happened? Just, you know, brief, brief vacay. All right, Jeff, yeah. what did your elf I see? I believe I talked about it a little bit, but like taking a trip through those lumberjacks. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of names that I'm going to throw out that won't mean anything now. Bob, you're going to hear a lot of these names. And yes. I want you as I want you a year from now. Like after a year of NXT programming, after two years, after three years, I want you to continue to come back to this moment okay. on this podcast as I say some names. There's a young man named Chad Gable in that crowd. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, there's a young man named Jason Jordan in that crowd. Sure. There is a, a young man named Sawyer Fulton in that crowd. <laughs> oh, boy. There is an Eli Drake in that crowd, but he technically yep. leaves NXT shortly <laughs> after this. Yeah, don't get used to him. Uh, there's a Wesley Blake in that crowd. There's a Buddy yep. Murphy in that crowd. Yep. There's a Baron Corbin in that crowd. Bob, do you know the story of Baron Corbin's Minions tattoo? I we we can't get into it right now. We can't oh, get into it right now. Yeah. You, we'll will. It. you will one day. And it's we'll, going to be worth it. It's not long before we get to talk about <laughs> Baron Corbin more. <laughs> All right, Bob. What did your Vulcaneers hear? Aiden English says, One day I will be on the bright stages of Broadway while you two will be taking tickets at the door. The only reason my Vulcaneers heard this and really glommed onto it was because it suggests that Aiden English doesn't understand how his job works. And like, 
is going, I'm here doing wrestling as a jumping off point towards Broadway. And I'm like, what? That's not, that's, <laughs> you have to be going to auditions, Aiden. You can't, you can't just do this. And also like he's imagining a world in which like success is just being on Broadway or being associated with Broadway. So like his theory then is that Cass and Enzo wouldn't continue to be wrestlers, <laughs> that everybody is trying desperately to get to Broadway and that like <laughs> that's the best they could hope for in their journey. And so they're working their way up this ladder right. of entertainment through WWE to get to Broadway. And then they're going to stall out at the ticket taker position, which is, as we know, how you climb the ladder. Every villain believes he's the hero of his own story, Bob. What can I tell he's you? <laughs> Aiden English is fucking amazing. He's a gift. As William Regal says, he makes jeweled saddles for seahorses. He's great. That's right. All right, Miles, what did your Vulcaneers hear? I love when we're on the same page. Uh, from the same segment, <laughs> Cass has this line after they uh, they agree to the, the sing-off. I'm going to drop you like an unnecessary theater elective. Oh. It's a good line. Can I just say, ouch. I know. Ouch. Guys. Take your theater oh. electives if you're a person who's still in college. Theater's great. Yeah. Like, fuck you, Cass. <laughs> it's an elective. It's not, by definition, it is unnecessary. Just because you used yours on weightlifting, it doesn't mean you have to talk shit about the people who use theirs for other smarter things. Oh, man. I'm not at all, like, have issues about this from my past. I know. <laughs> This is definitely a theater kids moment of going like, ah, oh, how dare uh, you? Theater's great. I read a Shakespeare you. play. I, I empathize so much with Aiden English in that moment. I know. All right, Jeff, what did your Vulcaneers hear? It's early, but it's it charmed me. It charmed me rehearing Lana, like, figure out the Russian stuff and, like, Rusev <laughs> figure out how to relate to that. Because they haven't quite just either declared Rusev is Russian, which they eventually just do. Right. Or they haven't said that he is an adopted Russian. So, like, it's funny hearing them, like, try to be like, is this a thing? Is this where we're going? <laughs> Maybe new Cold War? <laughs> I, but personally, oh. I was forever sad that Rusev stopped breaking boards with his opponent's name on I know. His yes! I know. Arts and crafts Rusev. I want him back. I don't care about, like, looking into the middle distance Rusev. I care about arts and crafts Rusev. Well, Bob, speaking of things you care about, what did your human heart feel? As always, so many things. I'm going to stick to things that happened in the episode. Adrian Neville lost, but he lost because he was mean to Tyler Breeze, and I felt on Tyler Breeze's side. Like, still devastated that Adrian Neville lost, and I'm not pro-Breeze, yet... But if somebody slapped me in the face for following the established rules of the thing, I would be pretty pissed. And now I'm sort of like, you know what? Maybe Tyler Breeze has been wronged a little bit and maybe he no. has a chip on his shoulder for a reason. Maybe he's okay. gotten slapped a lot. I don't know. A little uh, empathy for Tyler Breeze going on here. I like that. Yeah, I didn't think I would feel it, but I wouldn't want to be slapped by Samwise Gamgee. Like, that's the worst. Miles, what did your human heart feel? I felt uh, a reasonable amount of pride in the NXT audience yeah. in this episode. And I know that they chanted Ratchet at Sasha yeah. Banks. Didn't like it. I know they chanted We the People at Cesaro, but they also did, you know, like a bunch more of them chanted Sami Zayn. So that's all right. But at the very beginning of the show, when Triple H is doing his thing and Triple H is talking about all the people who came through NXT, all the people who, who came up through NXT and, and made it to the main roster. He explicitly does not mention uh, Biggie Langston mm -hmm. and the crowd starts shouting Biggie Langston's name. Biggie Langston, by the way, 
intercontinental champion at this point mm-hmm. in wrestling history. Uh, the crowd starts chanting his name, and then the crowd starts chanting five, 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 yeah. and Triple H like stops, and he's like, "Oh yeah," and of course, intercontinental champion Biggie Langston, and he says it in a way that like makes you think that maybe he was just building up to that one as the last one, but I don't think he was. I don't think he was. <laughs> I think that he was like, oh, yeah, also him, also the black guy. This is the company I work for. Uh, And I was just proud of the NXT audience for being like, no, fuck you. Big E, man. Like, respect the five count. I enjoyed that, too. All right, Jeff, what did your human heart feel? Nothing but love for for my sons, for my good boys. You see, I personally, I was welcomed to the wasteland when I was a young man, and I've spent my life in the wasteland. I spent my life, you know, being ready for the fall of man because really (laughs) I I have not watched a WWE product in a long time. I know they're no longer with the company. We were supposed to go see them live. They were going (gasps) to wrestle in Philadelphia and they didn't get to do that. So getting to see my boys, Connor, O'Brien, and and they still have their last, they still have their last and first name respectively. (laughs) Respectively, yeah. (laughs) They're not Connor and Victor yet. Like a lot of love for my sons, the Ascension. Uh, Welcome to the wasteland indeed. They're so great. I have such strong feelings about them. (laughs) They're they're the best. They're not good and they're the best. (laughs) I know. Well, that about does it for this episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. But we can't leave before taking the cheap pop quiz. That's true. Let's do it. Question number one. Next episode is a Christmas episode of NXT. And it's basically a clip show. Oh, okay. Uh, well, honestly, the only reason we're even covering it is because it also has the Cesaro William Regal match on it. Yeah. It's a great match. Spoilers. It's a great yeah, match. Spoilers. Fantastic match. One of the things the show gives us is a video package of all the main roster superstars who have shown up in NXT, many of whom we haven't seen because they occurred either prior to our coverage or not on television. Who is not? Among the main roster stars featured in this video package. Okay, Jeff, feel free to join in if you don't okay. already for okay. sure know. Is it A, Shawn Michaels? Wow. B, Kurt Angle? C, Chris Jericho? D, Randy Orton? Or E, the Bella Twins? That's going to be B, Kurt Angle. You can't say it until after she's guessed, Jeff. Oh, no. well, that's my, no, that's my guess. That's <laughs> okay. my guess. Okay. I'm not guessing Kurt Angle, because I, I, wait, now is it who hasn't shown up? You're right, right? Who hasn't showed up? Who hasn't you shown up? You can guess Kurt Angle, it's okay. I'm going to guess, no, I'm going to guess B, Kurt Angle. You know what? I am going to say Kurt Angle, because it seems like, I know he's very good, but he doesn't seem like, whenever I watched him, I didn't feel like, I, I wasn't blown away by personality as I am whenever Chris Jericho enters any given room. So I can feel like maybe you wouldn't get as much bang for your buck with a Kurt Angle. Question number two. Also in video package form, we relive the crowning of the first NXT Tag Team Champions, which, of course, we didn't get to see because it occurred prior to the start Mm. of our coverage. Mm. Mm -hmm. Bob, I think I've told you this before, but let's see if you remember. The first NXT Tag Team Champions were a team called British Ambition, and they were composed of Adrian Neville and his tag team partner. Shit, what was that guy's name again? Is it A... Shirley Crabtree. What the fuck? B. Wade Barrett. C. Oliver Gray. D. Dave Taylor. Or E. Lord Alfred Hayes. These are all good names. I feel like you have said the name Wade Barrett in my presence on this show for some reason. And I feel like Oliver Gray, you have also said... 
I think mm-hmm. it's Oliver Gray. Okay. Oliver Gray is your uh, your guess. I know the answer and I appreciated at least two of the other the wrong answers. Really three <laughs> of the wrong answers. So I want you to know that those <laughs> those were those were gifts for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and question number 3. Aside from Regal Cesaro, the only other actual plot thing that happens on the next episode is Sami Zayn challenging Leo Kruger to a singles match. Okay. What stipulation does Sami want? What will the match be? Is it A, a street fight? (laughs) B, a submission match? C, an Iron Man match? D, a cage match? Or E, two out of three falls? Okay, it better not be two out of three falls, because I don't think Leo Kruger... I mean, he's good, but he's not Antonio Cesaro. I don't know. Something about Iron Man match just seems like the thing it would be. I don't know. I'm going to say that. I don't have any reason for it. It just feels right. Okay, going with C, an Iron Man match. We'll come back on our next episode Mm -hmm. to see uh, how many questions Bob got right. Jeff, do you know the answer to that one? Yes, I do know the answer, and it is a very good answer. Yeah, I agree. Thanks so much, guys, for joining us. Uh, Jeff, it was a pleasure having you on. Oh, thank you for having me. Pleasure talking wrestling with you. I've yeah. been wanting to do it since uh, since Smash Fiction, and yes. I'm glad we finally got the chance. Uh, would you be so good as to tell all the good people out there uh, where they can find you on the internet? Of course. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Party of One Pod. You can also go to jeffstormer.com where you can find links to the games that I produce, the podcasts that I make. Those podcasts include Party of One, an actual play podcast focused on two-player role-playing experiences. All My Fantasy Children, a character creation and storytelling podcast powered by listener prompts, and Talking Nog, which is a yearly tradition honoring a yearly tradition in which I answer listener <laughs> questions about eggnog. Uh, you can find all, like I said, jeffstormer.com, Party of One Pod on Twitter. You can find all of that stuff. I do a lot of different things, many of them wrestling themed. I want to say, okay, listeners, are you going to go look up these podcasts? You're going to because I asked you to. What's going to happen is that you're going to go, how, which one do I listen to first? Okay, the thing is, you have to listen to the first ever episode of Party of One because Noah Houlihan plays the worst like heel wrestler in the entire world. And it's so it's fucking great. It made me fall in love with wrestling on a level that was before I knew anything about wrestling. I listened to that before I knew anything about wrestling and loved it. It requires no context and is better still with context. Well, I think that's about all we got for this episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. Thank you so much to Jeff Stormer for uh, being part of the show. We really appreciated having him. And Bob, thank you so much, as always, for joining us. Absolutely. It was great. It was really great. We have so much uh, bonus content. (laughs) (laughs) You guys have no idea how much got cut out of this episode where it's basically just like me and Jeff talking about wrestling and Bob going, wow. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty much it. That is exactly what happened. (laughs) So if you would like to listen to those when they come out, you will find them on our Patreon page, Bob. And uh, that is patreon.com slash NXT wrestling fan. If you go over there, you become a patron of our show. Uh, you get access to that. You get uh, early access to the episode, usually earlier than this, <laughs> but early access nonetheless. You also get a wrestler name. And as I announced on the uh, last episode of our show, all of our patrons and their wrestling personas are getting entered into a brand new game of Extreme Warfare Revenge, the text-based wrestling booking game uh, that I know and love. I have entered all the people into the roster that I intended to enter, Bob. Oh, my goodness. I was all ready to go. 
I was ready to hit that new game button because I had our wrestling promotion done. I had all the wrestlers done, had the championships, the tag teams, everything that you need to make an effective EWR game. (laughs) I had it, Bob. I had it ready. I believe you. Do you know what happened? We got three new patrons. Three? Three. Holy crap. Dropped in one after another. And so I have to, instead of talking about the EWR game, I have to talk about our new uh, signees. Aw, yay. Especially because one of them is our new Next Wrestling Fan Federation champion. Oh, my goodness. We got a lot to get to. Let's get right into it. First of all, let's start with the uh, the non-champion part of the equation. Well, champion usually gets the main event spot. Yeah, true. So first of all, we have a new patron in the form of Jake Bobo. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know Jake a little bit. The thing I know most about Jake is that he's a Bengals fan. Okay. Cincinnati Bengals NFL football team, Bob. I'm not sure oh, if you're right. familiar. Oh, all right. Okay. Yeah. I, I am familiar with them only in that I am a big fan of pronouncing it Bengals. The fact that he's a Bengals fan got me thinking about Tigers, Bob. And if you combine, in my head, if you combine Tigers and wrestling. Okay. Then you're also going to have a millionaire part of the equation. That's just how my brain works ever since Claire showed me that one Steven Universe episode, which was what got me into Steven Universe. And now it's the best show ever. I was thinking about just making him like literally like kind of a tiger millionaire character. right? (laughs) I read uh, something on Twitter recently by a wrestler named uh, Simon Gotch, who you'll actually meet not too long from now, Bob. He's a very cool guy, in my opinion. I really enjoy his work and his opinions and thoughts on wrestling. And he was talking about gimmicks that he didn't think work very well. And one of the things he mentioned is the rich gimmick. Mm -hmm. And his point was, why would you be in wrestling? Why would you be doing this to yourself, doing this to your own body, if you already had money? Mm. It doesn't make any sense. Now, I think there are lots of different reasons you could say a rich person might get into wrestling. But I think his point is, like, just being rich isn't a good character. Mm-hmm. But it got me thinking what an actual, like, realistic millionaire character might look like. And here's here's what I came up with. This character is uh, Dylan Dalbridge. Ooh. Of the famous Dalbridge family. Of course. The Dylan comes from the fact that uh, Corey Dylan is a very famous Cincinnati Bengals running back and also Jake's favorite Bengal. I asked him on Twitter. Aww. Um, you hear a lot of wrestlers talk about being a second generation wrestler. You know, their dad was in the business or a third generation wrestler. Their grandparents were in the business. Yeah. Dylan Dalbridge is a fifth generation wrestler. Oh, gracious. His family have been wrestling royalty since the early 1900s, and they have amassed a vast amount of wealth with their distinctly tiger themed gimmick. Becoming a wrestler is a family tradition in the Dalbridge family. However, because wrestlers put themselves through hell, um, yes. not a ton of descendants walking around and having mm. kids right now. In fact, Dylan is the last of them. He's an only child whose parents oh. recently died in an accident, and he's never wanted to be a wrestler, Bob. He stands to receive the entire Dalbridge inheritance, <gasps> but according to his father's will... He only gets it under certain conditions because his dad always wanted him to be a wrestler. Oh, my God. So Dylan gets a set amount of money from his inheritance every time he wins a wrestling match. Oh. With incentives for big event wins and championships. Now, he's secretly a humanitarian who wants to use his money to help get tigers off the endangered species list. Yeah. But... We're going to write him as a heel for now because it's such an easy, like, character to hate, right? Oh, yeah. And the face turn is going to be really epic when it oh, comes. Oh, it is. But, yeah. I will pop for that. That's Dylan Dalbridge. And his partner, the name of this team I originally had as uh, Tooth and Claw. Oh, that's very good. Uh, but also, I enjoy the alliterative combination of just their names because the full tag team name is Dylan Dalbridge and the Drop Bear. Oh, what? Now, the Drop Bear... 
comes to us by way of uh, DJG, parentheses Tigranosaurus. Yeah. Which already had me thinking about the tiger-based tag team, because your name is Tigranosaurus here and on Twitter. But uh, Tigranosaurus actually sent me some information about the Drop Bear. The Drop Bear, a somewhat less tortured soul than his tag team partner. Mm. Uh, Tigranosaurus describes him as, quote, a friendly chonk, but currently heel. He is an Australian wrestler whose name is inspired by the apocryphal Australian cryptid, the Drop Bear, which is uh, basically a huge, angry koala that rips off your face. Okay. And that basically describes his wrestling style. He has kind of a uh, tough love, big brother relationship with Dylan. He's trying to help him become a better wrestler, despite the fact that Dylan is only teaming up with the Drop Bear because he figured it would be easier to win matches as part of a tag team. Some other things about the drop bear that Tigranosaurus sent over that I enjoyed. He specializes in taking arrogant baby faces down a notch because mm. of fighting power. He enjoys hitting his opponents with mocking but effective versions of their own finishing moves. Uh, and he's feuding with one of the commentators because they keep calling him the blunder from down under. In the EWR game, the commentary team of uh, the Next Wrestling Fan Federation actually consists of Bob and myself. I wouldn't call him the blunder from down under. No. It's me. It was me all along. So that's uh, Tooth and Claw, Dylan Dalbridge, and the Drop Bear. Thank you guys so much for being patrons. And thank you as well to our new champion, Eric McNaughton. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, I just want to say right now, good job by Eric sending along his character to me instead of leaving me to do what I would with his last name, which would probably be terrible, terrible things, and I apologize. I'm apologizing for something I didn't actually do. I'm a definitely big fan of that have. last name just as it is. That's a dope <laughs> last name. It is, right? Anyway, our new champion, Bob, is Charles Recon. Oh, yeah. Charles Recon is a time traveler. Oh, What? From the dark future of pro wrestling. Oh, no. Oh, And he is no. on a mission. Oh, yes. He is on a mission to prevent the Wrestlepocalypse. Oh, my Lord. Okay. <laughs> All right. This is very clearly Terminator themed, but I just want you to know how much I appreciate it because I finally started watching. Sharon and I finally started watching Umbrella Academy. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's quite good. <laughs> yeah, it's quite good. And uh, without any spoilers, this very much speaks to me because we're watching that show. Charles Recon is a six foot two, two hundred pound, wiry superstar, marked in scars that are mostly tattooed on his skin instead Ooh. of the actual scars. He has light brown hair, looks kind of like a buzz cut that hasn't had any maintenance in months, and he's got a lot of stubble. Mm. Now on the back of his pants, hashtag buttwatch, yeah. is his last name Recon in the Terminator font. Okay. On his right leg are 34 screw bolts, and on the left leg are six names. Not sure which ah. names they are, but there are six names. Oh my goodness. Uh, presumably has something to do with stopping the Wrestlepocalypse. Out of the ring, he also wears a ripped tank top and an old trench coat. Style points. Yes. His finisher is a chin kick followed by a stunner. He mentions it's very twirly. It is called the Future Perfect. Oh, that is very appealing. Yes, and his catchphrase is, nothing is fixed. Oh, that's so so good. Charles Recon, your new Next Wrestling Fan Federation champion. Thank you so much to Eric for pledging at the $10 level. Since I haven't yet started the new game on EWR, I am going to go ahead and fold these latest signees into 
the game. Well, I'm excited to hear what happens. I might have to change the feuds up a tiny bit to get everybody in there, but shouldn't be that much. I'll let you guys know as soon as uh, the game starts with our next update, assuming we don't have three new patrons to talk about again. Yeah, so which is always a nice thing to have happen, though. It's a wonderful, wonderful problem to have, and I really appreciate all of you guys out there for listening. Thank you so much. We love you, and we will see you in two weeks with a new episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. Bye! The Next Wrestling Fan is produced by Miles Schneiderman with logo design by Claire Mulcairn. Special thanks to Rafael Medina for our theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo. Also thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at www.incompetech.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook as the NXT Wrestling Fan. Come talk to us. You can also follow Miles on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness. Visit our website at nxtwrestlingfan.com for show notes, episode transcripts, and more. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at nxtwrestlingfan at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. That Cesaro Regal match is coming up. Despite the fact that it appeared for two seconds on this fucking episode, just as like a hey reminder, that's gonna happen. I lost five hours of a day just sitting there thinking about the amount of fanfic feelings I have about William Regal and Cesaro and going, uh, I'm gonna cry so much when I write this story. Because obviously, like the amount of feelings and emotions involved in this, guys, it's like It's like being inside an emotional tempest.